Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch The Going Live Show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch. Uh, she played the mom, and I played the priest going, the power of Christ compels you. Like, that was me. Well, sadly, this past Christmas Eve, uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show. Now, the good news is she is not hurt physically. The bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well. And she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase phrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows nonstop, but I can't let this sit situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. So just how far down do you want to go? Well, we could talk it out over a cup of joe And you could look deep into my eyes Like I was a supermodel
What's up everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, as you can hear from the, uh, the theme song, everybody knows that the world is full of stupid people, that I am once again riding solo on this AEW recap. Now, there is a reason for this, and before I jump into the recap, I will explain what that reason is. Um, earlier this morning, at the time that I'm recording this, or yesterday, at the time that you are listening to this, I received a phone call from Gator, and apparently he had a class to teach tonight. Now, normally they have classes during the other days of the week, but because Monday was Memorial Day, they were off, so there was no Monday class. So the kids wanted to make up for it by having a class on Wednesday night. And because Gator was going to make extra money for teaching this class, since it was added to the curriculum, he needed the money, so he called me this morning, or yesterday morning at the time you're listening to this, to tell me that he needed to go teach this class, or he asked me if I would be okay with it. And the first question I asked him was, are you getting paid for this class? Are you going to make money on this? He said, said yes. So I told him, go get the money. Now, if this was going to be something they did for free, as just an extra thing that the kids wanted to do, I would have told Gator, get your ass in the studio, because that's a bunch of bullshit. But because he was going to make money on this, I told him, go ahead and do it, because I'm a firm believer on this show, if you have an opportunity to go make money, go get the money. I don't stand in the way of my co-hosts going out and making money because, you know, we all got bills to pay. I got bills to pay. Gator has bills to pay. Zach has bills to pay. Hell, I've had co-hosts in the past that have left the show because their jobs got in the way of the show. And even though at times it is frustrating, the fact is they got to make the money. And I'm never going to stand in the way of my co-hosts making money unless they blindside me out of nowhere at the very last possible minute, which Gator did not do. Like I said, he called me in the morning, gave me a heads up. I told him, go ahead. And I watched AEW with the mentality of, I'm going to be doing this recap by myself. And since this episode was so god fucking awful, I don't see myself doing this recap for very long. Now, I have said that in the past and they ended up being long because I do have a tendency to ramble on when I rant. But if this should happen to be a short recap, you know why. It's because I can honestly say I hated this episode of Dynamite so much. And we are going to kick off this abysmal show with our first official match of the evening. We had ourselves a six-man tag, or as they call it, a trios match. We had the Blackpool Combat Club, and representing them was John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli, and Wheeler Useless, versus the Lucha Brothers and Bandito with Alex Abrahantes. This, of course, was naturally a spot bet. Because anytime you see the, the Lucha Brothers or anybody Lucha in a match, nine times out of ten, it is going to be a spot fest because all of their moves involve spot monkey, over-the-top cooperation, which makes no logical fucking sense. And of course, with Bandito, that's going to happen all the goddamn time. Now, at least Ray Phoenix and Penta, from time to time, can put a little bit of psychology into their matches. A little bit. Bandito. 
Tito definitely doesn't fucking do that. So I knew this was going to be shit from the get-go. Now, I do give credit to Moxley and Castanoli because they were able to keep the ground game going somewhat. So I'm glad they were in this match because they don't do that stupid shit. Of course, Wheeler Useless, he thrives on this shit. So after all the insane bullshit stunts, we get to the end of this match where there's a weird combo here. Apparently, Penta kicks Moxley in the back of the head. But then Wheeler throws Bandito into an uppercut from Castanoli. Wheeler Useless hits that flying knee that Brian Danielson normally does. Then he starts hitting him with elbows repeatedly to the side. And then looks like he's going for some type of crossface or lapel lock. But then he does some weird seatbelt-like pin. I think they called it a seatbelt. It was fucking weird. And then he gets the one, two, three, and the victory for his team. Now, apparently, from what they said in the commentary, Wheeler Useless got the win for his team. He pinned uh, Kenny Beta to end the anarchy in the arena, which obviously I don't know because I didn't watch that because I skip everything involving the elite. But apparently from the commentators, that is the case. That is what happened. And I guess the goal of this is to try to make Wheeler useless look useful. And I give them credit for trying, but I can honestly say Wheeler is the odd man in this group. If anything, he should be the bump guy. He's the guy that if the Blackpool Combat Club should ever lose a match, Wheeler's the guy who eats the pin. That's the way it is. He is the job guy for this group. I'm glad he got the win here to at least give himself some level of relevancy. But the fact is, he serves no purpose in this faction. I'm sorry. I'm not sold on this guy. I've never been sold on this guy. And I doubt I ever will be sold on this guy. And then, of course, Brian Danielson comes down, celebrates with the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club as they're about to move on to the next phase of their careers. And then I'm going to skip over this segment because it means absolutely nothing. And then we cut to the next segment here, which is uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson. White and Robinson are asked about attacking Ricky Starks at AEW Double or Nothing. Tony Schiavone's interviewing them. White says Starks is not the AEW International Champion as he lost the Battle Royal. Robinson brings up FTR and says they want to know why they got involved. Robinson says Starks doesn't have any friends. White says FTR is slow and they sound dumb because they're Southern. FTR interrupts. White and Robinson somewhat use Tony Schiavone's human shield as they hide behind him. White says FTR must be there because they want to join the Bullet Club. He asks if they want to join, and then Robinson drops Harwood with a cheap shot using a handful of quarters. Robinson and White attack FTR, and Juice drops Wheeler with a DDT. White floors Harwood with the Blade Runner, but Ricky Starks makes the save and then challenges them to a match next week. This was an incredibly stupid promo. Seriously, Juice Robinson is one of the worst wrestlers and promos I've ever seen. Jay White can work somewhat, but I think his promos need a little bit of work. But this was god-awful. I'm going to tell you why it was god-awful. First of all, they're, they're talking about Ricky Starks not being the international champion. Guess what? Neither is Jay White and neither is Juice Robinson. So how the fuck is that a diss? All you motherfuckers were in the same battle royal and all three of you motherfuckers got thrown over the top rope. And Ricky Starks eliminated Jay White. And I believe Juice Robinson as well before Ricky got eliminated later in the match. So the way I see it, this is not something that you can diss someone on. Uh, you didn't become the champion. You were in the same match. You didn't win either. So how the fuck is this a diss? Fucking morons. Then, of course, they go after FTR. And I guess now they want to try to make Jay White and Juice Robinson uh, credible challengers for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Which I assume this is where this is going. They're going to be...
gonna be in the next challengers to FTR. How long they're gonna drag this out for, I have no idea, but I do know this. If these two clowns take the belts off FTR, I'm going to vomit all over my keyboard. I may even vomit all over this studio. And if I do, I may even take a picture of it and put it on the Instagram, which you can follow at the Boochcast. And then, of course, the cheap shot. I'll admit that was pretty good, the roll of quarters and all that. And Ricky Starks basically telling Juice Robinson to go sit in the back and have a one-on-one -on -one match with Jay White, which I thought was weird because he wants to end this by facing Jay White, yet Juice Robinson was the one who started this whole feud with him before Jay White was even in the picture. Because when these guys were feuding, Jay White was still in New Japan, and there was talk of him potentially going to WWE, but instead he wound up signing with AEW. So if Ricky Starks next week is planning on ending this feud, why doesn't he end it with Juice Robinson? Why can't that be the final battle? End it with the guy you started with. Again, this is stupid booking. It makes no logical sense. Unless they think Ricky Starks and Jay White will have a better match, which they probably will. Because like I said, Juice Robinson is fucking garbage. But he started with Juice. It should end with Juice. No matter how shitty the match might be. And then on that note, we cut to good old Tony Khan, the CEO and GM of AEW, who has yet another announcement. This guy is full of fucking announcements. First, he announces that Saturday, June 17th, will be the start of AEW Collision. He then makes a list of all the places they're going to tour. Last week, he announced that it would officially take place at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. And then, tonight on Dynamite, he makes the official announcement that on June 17th, in the United Center in Chicago, the show will feature CM Punk. That's right. After months of drama and bullshit and speculation on whether or not Punk was ever going to come back to this company, we now have the answer official. As Adam Pierce would say, it's official. CM Punk is returning to AEW. And I can honestly say it's about fucking time. I have been waiting for CM Punk to come back. A lot of people have been waiting for CM Punk to come back. Hell, Elvis Delinsky, our former AEW correspondent, the guy who waved the flag for AEW for years, has boycotted this show. Now that CM Punk is back, it looks like Elvis will finally go back to watching AEW or at the very least, he'll watch Collision. I don't know if he'll watch Dynamite. But this is a good thing because I don't give a fuck what anybody says and I'm going to get to some of the fans in the stands in a moment. Love him or hate him, CM Punk is the biggest star in AEW. There is no one on the AEW roster who is a bigger star than him. I doubt there's anybody there that's a better wrestler than him. And I know for a fact there's nobody on that roster that's going to draw more money than him. AEW needs CM Punk more than CM Punk needs AEW. Because with Punk gone, the ratings have been down tremendously. They have not broken a million since Punk's been gone. They have stayed within the 800,000 range. Somewhere around 800,000. No, I think 850,000 was the last time I heard that was the highest they had gotten to. But their ratings have been stagnant because they exist in a bubble and the only people watching are the people in the bubble. At least with CM Punk, you're going to get more people 
watching the show now. Because I guarantee you, people are going to want to tune into Collision just to hear what he has to say. And that's the gift that CM Punk has. The fact that he has been so controversial, so outspoken, and so incredibly blunt in his entire career, whether it was in Ring of Honor, whether it was in WWE, whether it was in TNA, whether it was now in AEW, he is the most outspoken wrestler in the modern era. And people know when he talks, he fires truth missiles. He drops pipe bombs. He's going to keep it real. He's going to tell the truth. Now, unfortunately for CM Punk, we live in a time period and we live in a world where telling the truth is considered brave. That's how fucked up the world is today. Telling the truth is considered an act of bravery because telling the truth can get you canceled, can get you fired, can get you written up. It can get you so many things because people are afraid of the truth. It scares them. The truth not only hurts, it frightens people. No one likes to be told the truth. That's why I laugh my ass off whenever I hear a person, whether it's been a friend of mine, a family member, a boss, a girlfriend, whatever. Anytime I hear the words from any of these types of people, I want the truth. I laugh my fucking ass off because I know for a fact none of them want to hear the truth. You don't want the truth. Nobody likes to be told what they need to hear. They want to be told what they want to hear. They want everything sugar-coated, they want everything filtered, and they want it told in a way that doesn't hoit their little feeling. And the most common place you'll find this is amongst the AEW fan base, as they've often been called the neckbeards. That's what they get called on the internet, the diehards. The people who watch AEW and see absolutely nothing wrong with the product. They think it's picture perfect exactly the way it is, and anyone who criticizes it, anyone who questions it, anyone who dares to say that this company doesn't know what the fuck it's doing, they immediately want to jump on them, bury them, and lose their fucking mind. They expect you to love everything about this company. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't love everything about AEW. And I'll make this very clear once again so there's no misunderstanding. I talk a lot of shit about AEW, but in no way, shape, or form do I want AEW to fail. I do not want this company to fail. I do not want this company to go out of business. I don't want the talented wrestlers on the roster to lose their jobs. The untalented ones can fuck off back to the indies and go back to working for a hot dog and a handshake because that's all the fuck they're worth. But the ones on this roster who actually have talent, who actually have psychology, who can actually cut a promo and tell a story and know how to work, I don't ever want them to be unemployed. But here's the thing. Just because I want AEW to succeed doesn't mean I'm going to blindly follow everything that happened. I call bullshit where I see it. And say what you want, but here are the facts. The booch is consistent with this belief. No matter what three letters you use for the name of your company, if I see bullshit in your company, I'm calling it out. It doesn't matter if it's AEW. It doesn't matter if it's NXT. It doesn't matter if it's WWE. It doesn't matter if it's Impact. It doesn't matter if it's old school WWE. It doesn't matter if it's old school WCW. I don't care if it's modern or old school NWA. I don't even care if it's ECW. 
If I see bullshit, I'm calling out the bullshit. And I've done it every single time. I haven't played favorite. Now, I've gone on record in saying that NXT is my favorite. But that doesn't mean I give NXT a free pass either. I shit on things that happen in NXT that I think are garbage. It just happens to be my favorite because I don't see a wide selection of garbage. I just see a couple things here and there. With AEW, I happen to see a lot of garbage. And unlike the Kool-Aid drinking AEW neckbeards, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to the garbage and the stupid shit just so this company can stay in business. Because that's what bothers me. The fact that people can see bullshit right in front of them. That other people can lie on other people in this business. Talk shit. Spread lies. Spread rumors. Degrade someone's good name. And if that person calls them out on their bullshit, they get mad at them because it's like, no, you need to keep this behind closed doors. We need to keep a united front and hide behind this bullshit lie that is being perpetrated because we can't have bad press for AEW because they need to stay in business so the wrestlers can have a place to work and someone can compete against Vince McMahon because at the end of the day, that's what the neckbeards want. They want Vince McMahon to not have a monopoly in, in professional wrestling. Even though the reason he has a monopoly is because he puts out a superior product because regardless of how people feel about his creative decisions he is an expert on the business side that's vince's advantage i am the first to admit he sucks in the creative department that should stay with triple h forever and ever to the end of time but when it comes to conducting business vince is the best and that's why wwe is basically too big to fail and with this merger with Endeavor, God only knows where the company's going to go. But that's the thing I find ridiculous. And what makes this even more ridiculous is this whole ordeal, this whole stupid fucking thing started with Colt Cabana. That's all the proof you need that AEW is a glorified indie league. That this is not a real competition to WWE. The fact that a untalented jobber like Colt Cabana, who's never drawn money a day in his life, he's a nice guy. I met him at WrestleCon last year. He's a really cool dude. And I'm sure on some level, he's got decent in-ring skills. But this man has never drawn money a day in his life. He has never been a success anywhere outside of Ring of Honor. And even there, he was a fucking tag team champion at best. The only thing Colt Cabana is known for in indie wrestling his biggest claim to fame was having CM Punk as a guest on his podcast months after he walked out of WWE that's it he was the first guy to get an exclusive from CM Punk regarding his walkout from WWE back in 2014. That was his biggest claim to fame. And Punk and him were friends until they stopped being friends. And then the EVPs went to Uncle Dave and spread a rumor that Punk got Colt Cabana fired. Which Tony Khan later said did not happen. Now granted, by the time Tony said that, it was way too fucking late to do anything about it. Shit had already gone down. But it didn't even fucking happen. So Punk, while he's at a media scrum, goes off on the EVP and says accurate statements about the EVPs. The fact that they suck at their jobs, they're fucking children, and they couldn't draw money if you gave them a green fucking crayon. And that's the truth. Adam Page was a dumb fuck 
who went into business for himself. So Punk finally goes off on these fucking guys, and somehow he's the villain when they lied about him. Which is funny, because usually when people are quote-unquote victims, and they get called out on social media, usually if you condemn the victim, you're seen as the asshole. But I guess now that's not the case. And then these guys storm into his fucking locker room, they get their asses kicked, and Punk is again the bad guy. This is how fucked up the world is, ladies and gentlemen, where you defend yourself against accusations, where you defend yourself against people storming into your fucking locker room, and you're the villain. To the point where Tony Khan makes his announcement, and because we're in California, which is the home of the elite, people had the audacity to boo CM Punk. Now I get it. In professional wrestling, you have the people you like and you don't like. You cheer and you boo whoever you want, and you should be free to pick who your favorites are. But let's be honest here. Nobody is booing CM Punk because he's terrible on the mic. They're not booing CM Punk because he's terrible in the ring. They're booing CM Punk because he exposes everybody in this company. Not only at the press conference, but in the ring. Because Punk is actually here to work matches and draw money. He's not here to be part of anyone's tumbling act. He's not here to do fancy tricks. He's not here to appease a bunch of internet losers who are going to tune into this company every single week, no matter what happens in that ring. You could have an entire episode of Dynamite where the four pillars come out, drop their pants, and pee on the turnbuckle pads. One's in one corner, one's in the other corner, one's in the other corner, one's in the other corner. You could do that for two solid hours, just them peeing on the fucking turnbuckles. They will still tune in next week, because they ain't going nowhere. Because they want this company to succeed. Because they hate Vince McMahon more than they love AEW. And what really makes me mad about this is the fact that, again, they need CM Punk more than CM Punk needs them. Punk was sitting at home for seven years, gone from the wrestling business. He was dabbling in other projects. He was spending time with his wife and his dog. He had no desire to get back in a wrestling ring for any reason. He was done with the business. And for years, I watched shows where fans would hijack the show chanting CM Punk. Great moments were happening in the ring and fans didn't care. All they did was cheer for CM Punk. Everybody wanted CM Punk to come back to wrestling. Everybody. There was not a fan on the planet that didn't want to see CM Punk back in a wrestling ring. And if you say you didn't, you're a fucking liar. And then comes AEW. And everyone's asking the question, is CM Punk ever going to come to AEW? Is he ever going to get back in the ring? Is he ever going to wrestle again? And people begged and begged and begged all over social media. Until finally... Tony Khan made the call, sat down with Phil Brooks, made a deal, and CM Punk came into AEW. And he sold out the building just based on the rumor that he was going to be there. It wasn't confirmed. We didn't know for sure. All we saw were the fucking dirt sheet. Because like, like I said before, these guys are internet marks. So all of them are reading the fucking dirt sheets. They all knew Punk was coming and sat in that arena. We don't know if Punk was going to show up or not. And he did. And it was deafening. And he got on that microphone and he cut that beautiful promo. And then he called out Darby Allen for All Out. And he got in the ring with Darby Allen. And he gave Darby Allen the first 
great match of his entire career. He got Darby Allen to fucking work instead of doing the stupid shit that he was doing beforehand and the shit that he was doing afterwards until he was finally put in a world title situation and he kind of smartened up a little bit. Although he's kind of falling backwards. I'll get to that a little later in this recap. And then CM Punk finally became the AEW world champion. Then he suffered an injury, got healed up, came back, won the title again, got injured again, had the whole incident in the media scrum, and he's been out of action. And now Punk's coming back. And it looks like he's going to be on this collision show, and they're probably going to keep him separate from the elite. Because right now, I don't know where he stands with them. I also know him and Chris Jericho got some explaining to do. So I'll tell you right now, if I'm CM Punk, you best believe I want Jericho's head on a fucking platter. Shit's going to get real when Punk comes back, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm looking forward to this. And whether I see this live or if I got to watch it later because I think I might have a gig that night. But I'll tell you this. When CM Punk comes back, this Collision show is going to be must-see TV. And if he's on Collision every week, it's going to be must-see TV every week. This is going to be the motivating factor to get people to sit at home on a Saturday night and watch this fucking thing. And if he can find a way to professionally work with the elite, then you got something for Wembley Stadium in August that you can build towards and make that your main event. And I do have one other thing to say about CM Punk, but I'm going to save that for a little later in the broadcast. But I think I've said everything I need to say for now. So that's where I stand on CM Punk. I'm glad that he's back. And I think the people who are booing him or are not happy for him to come back, you're the ones who truly don't want AEW to succeed. Because if you want this company to prosper, you want CM Punk back more than anybody. Because as I said before, nobody in that company draws more money or is a bigger star than CM Punk. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. Fuck my life sideways. We got Swerve Strickland versus Big Bill versus Trent Beretta. This, for the most part, was a decent match. I felt that Big Bill was once again getting the short end of the stick. I don't even know why they still have him. I do like the fact that out of all the best friends, Trent Beretta was in this match because Trent is the only member of the best friends that I actually like because he actually knows how to work and he's not as silly and stupid when he's away from the best friends. He's only silly when he's around Chucky e. T and Pocket. You know, Trent's the one guy in the group that you can actually take fucking seriously. And I like that. So I'm glad he was in this. And of course, in the end, Swerve Strickland gets a crucifix pin on Beretta for the win, which I like because at least Big Bill, if he was going to lose, was not involved in the decision. If anything, he was taken out with a Swerve stomp outside the ring. And also, I feel like Swerve is, you know, somebody that's going places. So I like to see him rack up a win here because this can lead to something else for Swerve down the road. But at the same time, I feel like Big Bill needs to start picking up some wins somewhere. Whether he beats somebody credible or they throw him in there with a bunch of jobbers. Either way, they gotta do something with him because it's only a matter of time before Big Bill stops losing his appeal. Assuming, of course, he hasn't lost it already. And then we cut to Renee Paquette, who is interviewing the acclaimed and daddy-ass Billy Gunn. Mass Caster says they win and lose together as a team. Bowen says they were screwed out of the title of Double or Nothing. Bowen says Gunn deserves the whole goal one more time. He tells Gunn they love him and everyone loves the acclaimed. Okay, first thing I want to say here, there was no rap. And when there's no rap, there's no reason for me to watch the acclaimed. Matt's caster's rapping is the only thing appealing about this team. Everything else is just fucking weird. But I do agree with one thing that Bowen said. I agree that Billy Gunn deserves the whole gold one more time. 
Unfortunately, I feel like when Bowen says that, he's referring to the trio's titles and that that's the, the next belt that Billy Gunn is going to hold. And if they want to make him a trio's champion, I guess that's fine. But I don't want that to be the only title Billy Gunn has. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Billy Gunn should be a fucking world champion. He is in shape. He can still go. He's got experience. He is world championship material. And it really bothers me that they got legends who can still go, but they won't put any world titles on them. If for no other reason than to elevate your title, make it mean something. Then when it comes time to drop that title, the person they drop it to, their value goes up because they beat a legend to hold it. They didn't beat another outlaw mud show piece of shit like most of this roster it's her goddamn ridiculous and then of course we cut to the in-ring segment we have don Callis and take a shit up now i know this is elite related so i probably shouldn't talk about it but i kind of have to because at least Don Callis here gave us a little bit more of an explanation. I know he had a more in-depth interview on the internet, which I did watch earlier today or yesterday at the time he listened to this. Uh, he said that Kenny Omega chose his friends over him. He was responsible for Omega's success. Omega destroyed his family, and while he may have lost a nephew, he gained a son in Takeshita. He says that Takeshita is the best athlete he's seen in wrestling, and by that, I mean uh, Callis should get out more. And he's better than Inoki and Okada. Okay, he's probably better than Okada, but he's definitely not better than Anoki. Anoki actually drew money in Japan. Anoki is actually an icon because he owned New Japan back when New Japan was actually something to behold. He also says they'll prove that Takeshita is better than Omega. That's not much of a stretch. Takeshita says they're going to destroy the elite and they will destroy Omega. Cal says he's going to build a new family and they're going to cut the elite out of AEW. Dear God, I hope so. Anyone who's willing to cut the elite out of AEW, you have my full support. You have my full endorsement. Please fucking make it happen because they are cancers to the business. That being said, after hearing Take a Shitta cut a promo, Don Cows needs to do all of Take a Shitta's talking if they're going to be together. This motherfucker cannot cut a promo to save his life because his English is fucking awful. It's, it's awful. I can't fucking listen to it. But with this promo, it is blatantly obvious they're trying to set up a match between Kenny Omega and Take a Shitta at Forbidden Door. That's what's going to happen here. They're going to do AEW versus New Japan. That's what Forbidden Door is. So they're going to do Take a Shitta versus Kenny Omega at Forbidden Door, which of course I will be skipping. And on that note, we see a video package highlighting Warlow's win over Christian Cage at Double or Nothing. And the TNT champion seemingly challenges Luchasaurus to a match. Basically saying, if he wants to be next, he can be next. And of course, they reference the fact that Arn Anderson damn near bit Luchasaurus's fucking finger off. Still a great spot in the match. And uh, if this is going to happen, I'm intrigued to see where they're going to go with this. Because obviously, the next pay-per-view is Forbidden Door. And I don't know if they're going to have two AEW guys fight each other at Forbidden Door. So I don't really see that happening there. So, of course, that probably means this will happen on free TV, which something like this I would not want to see on free TV. I would want to see it either at All In or All Out. That's where this a match like this should be held. Unless they want to do a program where, you know, matches end in fuckery and the final battle happens at All In or All Out. And I'll be intrigued to see where they go with it. But, yeah, I have no objections to Wardlow versus Luchasaurus because I love this new heel version of Luchasaurus. It's Luchasaurus done the right way and I feel like with this new version of Luchasaurus him and Wardlow can tear the house down and whether Wardlow retains 
or Luchasaurus wins, either way, a match will benefit both these guys. Because if there's one guy that I want to see take the belt off of Wardlow, it would be Luchasaurus. Because Luchasaurus right now is the only person I would see from a size standpoint that is credible enough to go toe-to-toe with Wardlow. Now, I'm not saying I want Wardlow to lose the title. Obviously, I don't. But if he's gonna, at least if Luchasaurus did it, I wouldn't be too upset. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Speaking of being upset, we have Pockets and Darby Allen versus the Gates of Agony. Now, of course, this is Bishop Khan and Toa Liana. I don't know too much about these guys. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. I know he's in the embassy. No, no, he's they're the Ring of Honor Six-Man Tag Team Champions alongside uh, the machine Brian Cage. Never mind. They're six-man tag champs. But they do reside in Ring of Honor Wrestling. And I will say, the Gates of Agony, I like them. They're a good team. They work well together. They've got good chemistry. I like what I see. Pockets and Darby Allen, they're perfect for each other. And I don't mean that in a good way. Because now Darby Allen is reverting back to his spot monkey self and doing the stupid reckless shit. And Orange Cassidy still does the incredibly stupid shit that he always does. So this match was basically a spot fest through no fault of Gates of Agony. And of course, in the end, Darby hits the cold red and the coffin drop to get the pin and the win for his team. Which I guess makes sense, seeing as how Darby Allen was in the world title match. So I can't be too upset over the fact that they won this match. I'm just not a fan of pockets. And the more I see Darby Allen getting involved in stupid reckless shit again, the more I'm starting to lose the respect for Darby Allen that I have gained throughout the entire feud that he had with the other pillars going into Double or Nothing. I felt like Darby Allen was on the right track. I felt like he finally had his shit together. And moments like these make me think maybe he doesn't. But then Cage, Strickland, and Nana approach the ring. They're about to attack Cassidy and Allen. But then all of a sudden, Sting comes out to even up the odds. Get the baseball bat with him. And Sting, Allen, and Cassidy stand tall inside the ring. Now, here's the thing that scares me here. As I mentioned before, the Gates of Agony and Brian Cage are the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. With Sting standing in a ring with Pockets and Darby Allin, I'm starting to think there might be a possibility that these three might go for the Ring of Honor six-man tag team titles. And if they become the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions, does that mean these three guys are going to move to Ring of Honor? Are they going to be working more often in Ring of Honor? What I'd like to say is, dear God, I hope so. Because that means I wouldn't have to see these guys as much. Now, obviously, Pockets is still the international champion, so I might still see him on TV. But at least Darby Allen and Sting would probably spend more time over on Ring of Honor. And since AEW does pretty much the same numbers and ratings, regardless of what the fuck happens, I don't really think they need to have Sting and Darby Allen on here full time. I think it's send them to Ring of Honor, help them get ratings over there, or get subscriptions or whatever the fuck they do with the Ring of Honor TV show, and try to help build that. Because the Dynamite fans have made it clear, shit's going to stay the same regardless. And Sting doesn't really make enough appearances to where he's moving the needle. And that's hard for me to say. Because Sting's a legend. Sting's an icon. I have all the love and respect in the world for Sting. I have been a fan of Sting since I was a fucking kid. Hell, I met him at WrestleCade two years ago. I am a Sting fan. But facts are facts. Nobody in AEW right now is moving the needle. The needle's just staying in one place. So if you want to send these three to Ring of Honor, I'm all for it. I really am. 
have them be the six-man tag champs and put them over there. Since it's pretty obvious Sting's never going to go for the world title in AEW, who knows? Maybe they'll make him a world champion in Ring of Honor. Maybe Sting could bring some honor to the Ring of Honor championship. Pun intended. That'd be fucking great to see Sting help that company grow. And on that note, we cut to a backstage promo with MJF who comments on his win at Double or Nothing, basically saying he's running out of competition and nobody is on the level of the devil. That's right. He is basically proven that he can beat everybody. You know, the fact that he took out Darby Allen with a side headlock takeover again proves that he is running out of competition. He even mentioned it at the press conference, the media scrum. There's no competition left. He's pretty much going to hold on to that belt until the bidding war of 2024. But there's another caveat to this whole thing. And that's why I was waiting till now to bring this up. As I mentioned earlier in my very long rant, CM Punk is coming back. Maybe, not just maybe, maybe CM Punk is the one to dethrone the devil. I mean, if they wanted to put the belt back on CM Punk, I have no objections. The only thing I would be concerned about is if they're going to put the belt back on CM Punk, he needs to be 100% healthy. And by that, I mean he can wrestle a full-blown match and not get fucking injured. Basically, wrestle smarter and not harder. That's what Punk needs to do. Because clearly, he's been fucking up his body in the last couple matches. So Punk needs to wrestle a little bit smarter so he can have a lengthy title reign like he should. Why? Because like I mentioned before, there's no bigger draw in wrestling right now than CM Punk. Yes, MJF is a generational talent. But he is not going to draw more money for the company than CM Punk. Because CM Punk has mainstream name value. MJF does not. He has wrestling value, but not mainstream value. MJF is not mainstream famous. CM Punk is mainstream famous. So CM Punk is a bigger draw than MJF. Whether he's a better wrestler or promo, that's up for debate. But CM Punk is definitely on the level of the devil. And if there's going to be someone back there who's going to take the belt off of MJF, it should be CM Punk. Because no one else on that roster is more deserving of dethroning the devil. And on that note, we cut to the FTW champion Hook, who comes to the ring. He is asked about what's next, and he's interrupted by Jose, the assistant, Preston Vance, and Jolistico of La Faction Ingo Burnable. I don't know how the fuck to pronounce that. He says, they don't get opportunities, so they're going to take one, and they jump Hook until Jungle Boy Jack Perry makes the save. Now, okay, so this is where we're going to put Jungle Boy. This is his next route. This is his next stop, I guess. This makes no fucking sense. I have no idea what they're doing here. And to be brutally honest, I don't give a fuck. I mean, I like Hook, but they rarely do anything with this guy. And he's one of the few guys on the roster that's actually entertaining. His badass, no-nonsense style makes him one of the most entertaining guys on the roster. And yet you rarely ever see him. So this is fucking embarrassing. Next, we cut to the backstage area with Tony Storm bragging about her title win and looks forward to defending the AEW Women's Championship at the House Rules event this weekend, which is basically the AEW house shows. So Tony Storm is excited to be champion. She's been wrestling since she was a little girl, which I liked hearing that. You know, Tony Storm talking about the long time she's been in the business, how hard she's had to work, carrying bags in the locker room, paying her dues, which is something that a lot of people in this business don't know how to do and don't want to do because they think paying their dues is beneath them, which is another reason why a lot of people in modern wrestling don't get respect. But I love this. And I love that Tony Storm is the champion. I hope she stays champion for a long time because she is deserving. And it's not just because of 
badass. It's because of that talent. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got the TBS Championship. Chris Statlander defends the title against Nyla Rose. This match was boring as shit. Really, that's what it was. It was boring as shit. Chris Statlander, the person that no one wants to see with this belt except the neck beards. And Nyla Rose, who is basically completely useless now that Vicky Guerrero is no longer her manager. Because obviously, Vicky Guerrero's dealt with some controversy um, surrounding her daughter and all the drama from that. So obviously, she's no longer going to be on AEW television. Because like most companies that appeal to internet fans, Tony bows down to the woke culture. And what made this incredibly stupid was that nothing in this match was believable. The champion drop kicking Nyla Rose and Nyla Rose bumping for it made no goddamn sense. Uh, Nyla Rose going for a senton. Again, why is a big person doing a fucking senton is goddamn ridiculous. They try to suplex each other. The fact that Nyla Rose is struggling to suplex Chris Statlander is fucking stupid and not believable. Tyler Valkyrie watches the match backstage as Nyla gains the upper hand. Statlander rallies and slams Rose for a two count. Hits a cannon. Rose is a cannonball off the apron. Another fake spot. Statlander gets a win with a 450 splash. Again, sloppy, not believable, fake all the way, horrible decision. The only good thing was Taya watching because I'm hoping that Taya Valkyrie will try to wrestle Chris Statlander for the championship and hopefully Tyler Valkyrie can take it off of Chris Statlander and they can make up for the fact that they completely shit in her mouth, as Gator said, at double or nothing. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening, the mixed tag match. Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Chris Jericho and Soraya. This match had all the potential in the world to be great. And in the beginning, it looked like it was going to be great. But then, the fuckery commenced. Ruby Soho and Tony Storm getting involved. Hikaru Shida getting involved. Adam Cole and Chris Jericho trying to have a fight. And then, the worst moment of this entire fucking match takes place. And this is another part of the show where I'm going to say some controversial shit and I'm going to get some heat, but I don't give a fuck because I keep it real on this show. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. At one point, Britt Baker goes for goes for a dive onto Soraya, who's lying on the ground. Chris Jericho covers Soraya and tries to shield her and protect her from Britt Baker. Britt Baker basically says, fuck it, and dives onto Jericho, who was on top of Soraya. So Soraya has all the body weight of Britt Baker on her, as well as the body weight of Chris Jericho on her, and yet Soraya kicks out of the pin, which again is not believable. You're telling me all the weight of Chris Jericho on Soraya and all the weight of Britt Baker coming down at full speed off a top rope to the floor, that's not enough to put Soraya away? Just like how a Double or Nothing they shit in Taya Valkyrie's mouth, in this main event, they shit in Chris Jericho's mouth. They made Chris Jericho look like the biggest pussy in the fucking locker room. Because in the midst of all this, it gets worse. Because Chris Jericho at one point counters the Panama Sunrise with the walls of Jericho, and Britt Baker is able to break up the pin by doing a mandible claw to Jericho, and then taking Jericho down and putting him in the lockjaw. Are you fucking kidding me? Britt Baker is strong enough to take down Chris Jericho? If Britt Baker can do that to Jericho, no other guy in that locker room should have any problem putting Jericho on his ass. This is the type of stupid shit that happens in modern wrestling, where they don't use logic and common sense 
defense and they try to put everyone on an equal playing field. You can't do that because it's not believable. And when you make stuff not believable in wrestling, it makes it difficult to watch. Unless you're a neckbeard who doesn't care about believability and just wants to see cool spots. And then Soraya breaks it up. Jericho drops Cole the code breaker. He goes to use the baseball, but Cole super kicks him. Then both Adam Cole and Britt Baker hit super kicks. Jericho bumps, and then he hits the boom for the win. Now, here's the main reason why a lot of this pisses me off. Because I hate double standards. I don't like them. Now, before I go any further, I know in a way this is going to contradict what I was saying earlier. So let me clarify what I mean by this. Earlier when I said about the equal playing field, I was talking about as far as making me believe that Chris Jericho is not stronger than Soraya and not stronger than Britt Baker when he very clearly is. That's what I meant by equality on that level. But I do believe in equality when it comes to if a girl swings on a guy, a guy's allowed to swing back and defend himself. I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, a man should never hit a woman, but a woman can slap a guy around all he wants and it's perfectly okay. It's not. Either both are okay or both should be condemned. Not one or the other. None of this bullshit. And I know for a fact, for a fact, if Adam Cole was lying on that ground and Chris Jericho climbed to the top rope and Britt Baker tried to shield herself to protect Adam Cole, Jericho would not jump. They would not allow Jericho to jump. Hell, Jericho had to call in the outcasts just to beat Britt Baker to death with the kendo sticks to start this feud. For some reason, Jericho couldn't bring himself to hit Britt Baker with a kendo stick. Meanwhile, when he was feuding with Shawn Michaels, he punched Shawn Michaels' wife in the face. Now, granted, it was an accident, and the punch ended up being a shoot punch because they weren't expecting it, but they ran with it because he went to punch Shawn. Shawn ducked. Boom. He hits his wife. And even though it was accidental, it was still shown on TV. And guess what? Obviously, there was some talk about it later backstage, but here's the great part. It made the match exciting. It got buzz around the match, and it got Jericho the heat that he needed to keep the feud going and make his rivalry with Shawn Michaels one of the best rivalries in WWE history. But yeah, Jericho wouldn't have jumped. Hell, it was the other way around. If Jericho was down and Adam Cole's come on top rope and Soraya covered him, Adam Cole wouldn't do nothing because he's a babyface and he's got to be a gentleman. It's horse shit. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't care about race. I don't care about gender. I don't care about sexual orientation. If you're strong enough to throw a punch, you're strong enough to take one. So if you don't want a man to hit you, don't hit the man. If you're not going to let the guys and the girls mix it up, then stop having them interact in the ring. Because there is nothing more emasculating and nothing will bury a male wrestler quicker than a female slapping them or putting their hands on them and the guy not responding. It doesn't make you a gentleman. It makes you look like a pussy. It makes you look like a doormat. It makes you look like a cuck. It makes you look weak. Now again, I will clarify this. I am not a person who condones domestic violence. I am not a person who thinks it's okay for men to go around and smack women for no reason. And if you're one of those people that does it for no reason, if you're one of those guys that beats your wife or beats your girlfriend because you think that's the way you keep her in line, you are a scumbag piece of shit. And I hope you die in a fire. So I am not okay with that. However, if a woman swings on you, you have every right to defend yourself. Every fucking 
right. And if you're going to put a man and a woman in a match together, I expect to see a match. If the guy's not going to swing on the girl, or if he's not comfortable with it, don't do the match. Don't do the segment. Don't do the story. I am sick and tired of watching female wrestlers or female ballets or any woman in general smacking guys in the face or attacking guys and beating them up and the guy not doing anything about it. It's stupid, it's not realistic, and it's embarrassing. So we need to make a choice. If it's not okay for men to hit women ever, then it should not be okay for the woman to hit the man ever. Either we make it equal where they both hit each other or we make it equal where they don't touch for any reason. Pick a choice, stick with it, and be consistent. Now, I know consistency is not AEW's strong suit, but in this case, it needs to be. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of AEW. I thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you check out the male soap opera moment with our predictions for Night of Champions. Find out who was right and who was wrong and be on a look out for a recap of Night of Champions coming soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Uh, right now, pinned to the Twitter page, we have our Season 5 video of Era. I have that up there for you guys to check out because uh, Arrow 6 and 7 will be coming out uh, tomorrow at the time you're listening to this. So if you want to check out our thoughts from Season 5, if you haven't seen that video already, it's pinned to the top of our Twitter page. Go check it out right there. Also, visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, our Dark Side videos will be coming soon and we also got some Complain Time videos and a few other shorts uh, coming soon to the video. A lot of content will be coming your way very soon. So subscribe now. Check out the content we already have there if you haven't already. So you'll be well prepared for the new content that is coming soon. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we have the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold it to Peak, I got nowhere to put that $9.99. So $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans that are dedicated to giving the people what they want. 
get the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe there's going to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.